One of the people that I've been praying for is someone I met um, nearly a year ago here in our community, uh, not somebody from our church, and I, um, I learned that they just had a, a minimal church connection and that they were dealing with some, at the time I met them, some dealing with some issues of loss and, and grief. They mentioned in one conversation I had with them how they were feeling a little bit lost, and I was able to follow up for a little bit, but, but lost contact. Um, in the months that followed. But I still prayed for them from time to time, especially when I drive by the neighborhood where I, I knew that they lived. Um, and then wouldn't you know it, uh, a week ago yesterday, I ran into a friend uh, who knows this person quite well, and they caught me up on their situation and provided me some new contact information, so I'm, I'm getting back in touch. I love the way God puts those things together. And as I reflected on today's theme of beginning with prayer, I've been reminded not just in the materials that we're using from the covenant, but in my own life, how God is already at work in the lives of those that we care about. God is already at work in the lives of those that we care about. <clears throat> we just heard that God so loved the world, and that means everyone in it. And that means that he is working in the lives of everyone in some way or another. He may perhaps be ignored by a person. He may be deflected, or as some people tend to do, they believe in a God but keep him a little bit at a a safe distance. But everyone created in God's image is loved by God, and and God desires that we all be back in relationship with him, that original relationship that he created us to be in, where we fully live into the image into which he has created us. So as we look to a bit of a new approach to sharing our faith, a a, a new perspective in evangelism, we will learn to focus less on what truths and right answers we know. Those are still important, but the truths and the right answers are important a little bit later in the process. We'll focus less on the truths and the right answers up front, and we will worry less about what we will say, and we will learn to pay more attention to what's going on in the lives of those we care about Where is the need? Where is the brokenness? And we will look to where God is already working. Got that? I'm going to say it again because I underlined it in my notes. As we approach evangelism in a fresh new way, we're going to focus less at this beginning stage on all the things that we know to be true and right. We need to focus on where God is actually at work in our lives. We will worry less about what we will say And we will learn to pay more attention to what's going on in the lives of those we care about. Where is the need? Where is the brokenness? Where is the yearning? And we will look to where God is already working. And we see see that and we recognize that better when we are praying for people. And that's why the B of bless is begin with prayer. When the P fell off today, Megan said, I wonder what's going on. I said, I think it wants to be a B because it's supposed to be B for begin with prayer, so whatever. But bless is a better word than plus. So anyway, we're dealing with it, okay? But begin with prayer is where we begin. And this is what I want to look at this morning as we look at uh, some of the texts from Scripture, that Jesus came to find people who are lost and to help those who are hurting. We know that about Jesus. And he invites us, his followers, to partner with him in this mission, remembering that God is already at work in the lives of people we care about. Let's begin then by joining him in prayer. That's where we're headed. We're going to take a, a look at the Old Testament for a few moments here and look at how God was at work in Abraham and the plan to bless the nations through him. God was at work in Nicodemus, who we just heard about, as Steve and Benjamin read for us. And then thirdly, we're going to begin to look at our own list and look at how God is at work in our circles of influence, and we'll look at how we will begin with prayer. 
starting with Abraham. We've uh, heard the gospel lesson, and, and uh, Kayla read for us the psalm for the day. The Old Testament lesson is from Genesis chapter 12. And that's actually a perfect text for today as we seek a blessing, because this is the blessing of Abraham. Let me just read Genesis 12, 1 through 4. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. God had big plans for Abraham, plans to bless him and to bless the whole world through him. It's probably important to ask right here, what, what is the blessing? What, what blessing are we talking about? Now, on Wednesday night, Pastor Diana and I looked at this question with eight junior hires who sat still long enough for us to talk about this, which was great. But anyway, we looked at our Wednesday night oasis. We, we, we looked at some different texts to answer this question of what is the blessing? And some of the texts that the kids looked up talked about as God was leading the Israelites into the promised land. And some of the blessings were actually material blessings of, of livestock and, 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 and crops. It was part of God's blessing as they made their way into the home, we all, or their, home their new homeland. We also saw that the blessing was defined um, as an inheritance. For example, when, when Jacob stole the birthright from his brother Esau, he was taking his father's blessing. And that was the blessing of an inheritance that was there. But as we dug deeper into the word, we discovered that the ultimate blessing actually is salvation and new life and hope in Jesus. The blessing ultimately is salvation of being brought into God, back to God and experiencing new life and an eternal hope in Jesus. And in the call of Abraham uh, to get up, to leave his home country, and to go to a new land where he would become the father of a great nation, God was already at work in that. God was totally at work in it, and God had already been at work, and God was at work in Abraham. God knew Abraham's heart. He knew that he would be receptive and obedient to this huge call to pick up and to relocate. <clears throat> I don't think he had any idea what it meant that he would be the father of a great nation, but Abraham trusted God enough. God was at work in him, and he was ready to receive this blessing. And that blessing then came as a key chapter, really, in the unfolding story of God. God would use him in a huge way with blessings that would eventually come to us and come through us. The blessing goes from Abraham to us, to others. And you know the the grand sweep of the story of God. That God created us in, in deep love. God created us to be in fellowship with him and in relationship with him. But in giving us a free will, our uh, Adam and Eve made a choice to go their own way. We talked about that last week. And the relationship then with God was, was broken and we were distanced. We were still created in his image, but that image was, was severely broken and we were far from God. And the rest of scripture tells us the story of God wooing us back. And at this point in the story, God makes this decision somewhere in his will that he would work through one people group to, to, to reveal himself and eventually bring this Messiah, Jesus. And so God set up his people, the Israelites, the Hebrews. And he started that with Abraham. Abraham would be the father of this great nation through whom the prophets would come and eventually through whom the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come and our salvation would come. That's the, the big story, the blessing that comes through Abraham to us. 
we see this call of Abraham is so key in Scripture too. The Apostle Peter talks about it in Acts chapter 3. He's explaining to the Jews who are puzzled about this death and resurrection of Jesus and after that crazy Pentecost day. And Peter says to the people as he's preaching, he says, you, and he's talking to the Jews here, he says, you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, quote, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. So here is Peter taking this example and saying, this is happening now in and through the death and resurrection of Jesus and the sending of the Spirit. Now, Peter could be seen to be speaking just to physical descendants, but in Galatians 3.8, the Apostle Paul then is explaining that all of us are spiritual descendants of Abraham, not just those who are Jews. In Galatians 3.8, Paul says this, and I'm reading from the message translation. If it is not obvious to you that the persons who put their trust in Christ, not persons who put their trust in put their trust in the law. If those people are like Abraham, children of faith, it was all laid out beforehand in Scripture that God would set things right with non-Jews by faith. Scripture anticipated this in the promise to Abraham, all nations will be blessed in you. So Paul brings it all the way home to us. God was at work in Abraham. God was at work through the Jewish prophets. God was at work, obviously, in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And God is at work now, as Paul writes, through the apostles, bringing people back to himself, bringing people to faith in Jesus, bringing people back to experience new life and living hope. God's plan to bless his people continues. God is already at work in the people that you care about. God was at work in Abraham. And as we move on then to the New Testament reading, God is at work in Nicodemus as well. Nicodemus, who is intrigued by Jesus. Our gospel reading gives us this well-known story of someone who, in whom God is at work. In this passage, we heard two of the best-known verses in the Bible, probably. You heard them pop out there. That Oh, that one in verse 7 that says, you must be born again. And then all of a sudden you heard John 3.16 and it wasn't even a football game. And you said, I've heard that one before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. These two key verses are woven in this story of Nicodemus. And we see that in Nicodemus, God was already at work. And he comes to Jesus then with a seeking heart. He comes in the dark of night. It's a very secretive kind of approach, it seems to be. He was a Pharisee, you see, who were opponents of Jesus. So we don't know if Nicodemus is coming as friend or as foe. As a Pharisee, Nicodemus was part of a very legalistic separatist group. These were people who know, knew the law of God. They loved the law of God. They loved it and they really endeavored to keep it perfectly, believing that was the way that they would show their devotion to God. But they took the law and they had written and and adapted it and adopted hundreds of interpretations and explanations and it translated into hundreds of rules to be kept for every area of life. And if they were keeping all those areas, then they could assure themselves that they must be okay with God. It was an external uh, obedience that they tried to keep. And part of it was to keep themselves holy and unstained by all the brokenness and ugliness of the world around them. So they kept themselves apart. They avoided sinners. And that's what's so intriguing about in some of these stories of Jesus because Jesus loved to hang out with sinners and the Pharisees just couldn't stand that because it didn't fit in their system of this external obedience. The Pharisees were separated ones. There was nearly 6,000 of them in Israel at Jesus's, in Jesus' day. And Nicodemus is even more important because he's also part of the Sanhedrin, which is sort of the, the ruling council of Jews. He's an important guy. All these guys, the New Testament tells us, were threatened and annoyed by Jesus. He was hanging out with sinners. He was saying bold things that really claimed that he was God. He was 
blasphemous according to them. In several places it's noted that they were out actually not just to get him, but to kill him. And so Nicodemus then comes as as friend or foe. Well, he comes and he addresses Jesus as rabbi, which means a teacher. And it implies a respect. And so as we get to know Nicodemus a little bit here, we see that he is curious about Jesus. He is a seeker of truth. His approach seems to be harmless and open, not sneaky or manipulative. It appears, though, that he's not necessarily a friend yet of Jesus, but he's drawn to Jesus. He had seen or heard of amazing things that Jesus was doing. As John unfolds his gospel, he probably heard about that miracle of Jesus changing water into wine. Jesus' first miracle was to make a party better. Isn't that great about Jesus? Nicodemus probably knew about that. Nicodemus knew about also how things had turned very quickly from a happy party to an angry Jesus who cleared the temple. Nicodemus knew some of these things and he could not deny the miracle. He couldn't avoid seeing the sense of authority that happened and that righteous anger that happened in the temple. And so he says to Jesus, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are proof enough that God is with you. And so he seeks him out at night. He tries to catch Jesus when he's not surrounded by others. And he seems to be drawn to Jesus. And so he comes because God is at work in him. He's asking, seeking, and he's ready to hear about the needed change that God can bring. Listen again to just a few more verses from John 3. Jesus replies to Nicodemus, I assure you, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, the truth is no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. So don't be surprised at my statement that you must be born again. So Jesus' reply to Nicodemus is actually a little bit abrupt and, and rather cryptic. You could, in fact, say that Jesus is actually answering a question that Nicodemus didn't ask. But then Jesus is really good at that. If you read a lot of stories, Jesus often answers questions that people weren't asking. But Jesus kind of gets behind it, doesn't he? Because he knows where God is working. You must be born again. So Nicodemus is probably a little bit confused. He's saying, thinking, you know, I, I didn't really ask about that. I was just trying, actually, I was just saying nice things to you, Jesus. But Jesus comes with this. But see, I believe Jesus knew his heart. Jesus knew his need. And he gets right to it. He knows what Nicodemus is working with. He knows the background. And in a sense, he's saying to him, you cannot depend on your own good efforts to enter the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. You've been taught that by your Pharisee friends, but it doesn't work that way. And it's put you in a place of spiritual pride that's keeping you from the humility you need to enter into the kingdom and know the fullness of the goodness of what God has for you. Nicodemus, you can't do it on your own. In fact, it has to be an act of God. It has to be an act of the Spirit. You have to have a spiritual rebirth. And so Jesus uses this basic earthly category of birth to illustrate a spiritual reality. Birth and new life. New life starts, uh, starts with, with something fresh and new. It's a total transformation that's necessary. Nicodemus, you need to become a new person. Now, the story in John 3 doesn't tie up neatly with a bow with Nicodemus praying the prayer and signing a card saying, I'll be your follower forever. John doesn't record Nicodemus making any kind of decision here. But in later chapters of John, we pick up a few little stories here and there. We see evidence that he did. We see evidence that he did, in fact, become a follower. It is probably the way that John intended to tell the story, to see the changes, the transformation gradually over time. God was at work in Nicodemus, and God is bringing him along. 
God was at work in Abraham. God was at work in Nicodemus. And now we look at how God is at work in our circles of influence. And we begin with prayer. Prayer really is a joining God in his work. Prayer is a partnership with God. A good point at a good, a good question to ask at a point like this is, why do we pray anyway? God is sovereign. God works his will out anyway. If God's going to call people, God's going to do it with or without me, right? That old, you know, why avoid the missionary call thing. God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. But Scripture tells us, and experience backs it up, that the sovereign God invites us to partner with him in the outworking of his will. Got that? The sovereign God who controls all things, part of the way he does that is inviting us to partner with him in the outworking of his will. One of my favorite writers on prayer is Alvin Vandergrand, and he says this, Though he is almighty, all-wise, and fully able to work without us, God chooses to work through our prayers. He calls us into a working partnership. Without us, he won't work. God depends on us. We might want to have a chat with God about that, right? (laughs) Well, actually, you can chat with them, but that's the way it works. Some of you may remember from way back in the middle of the 20th century, the Chinese author and teacher, Watchman Nee. He died in 1972. But I love this quote from him as well, so I bring it back out. Nee says, Our prayers lay the track down on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. Isn't that great? Our prayer is a partnership with God. And remember, central to Jesus' teaching on prayer was ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. We come before God and we partner with him. That's why we begin with prayer. Could you take out your bless insert? And we want to walk through it just a little bit here. On the outside, it gives you a summary of the five areas. In the next few weeks, there'll be a single insert the next four weeks on listen, eat, serve, and story. But this introduces the whole thing, plus it's the actual insert on uh, begin with prayer. On the inside cover there, or inside the cover, where it says begin with prayer, it says turn to God. And there it says, um, begin by asking God, where are you already at work? Where do you want me to join you in the work you are doing in my family, friends, and others? That you are seeking, those that you're seeking to draw toward yourself. How do you want me to bless the people in the places you have sent me? So that's what we're talking about here, this partnership of joining with God. And then the next step really is creating this list, or what is called in this material, a frank list. We're going to have a frank conversation about this, okay? You ready? <clears throat> uh, F-R-A-N-C. The F of that list is friends. Who are the people that you just know that are friends, perhaps some you've known for years and some new friends, that you're pretty sure are are not followers of Christ and may even be far from God and may be struggling? Relatives, that's easy. We all have those in our family list, don't we? And maybe you want to put a long, long list there. But remember, we're going to keep this list shorter because these are people we're really going to focus on and pray for and seek to build a stronger relationship with. Acquaintances are a little different from friends, and on my list it happens to be some service providers, people that I see in the medical field and people that I go to occasionally for things like haircuts and physical therapy, to be exact. (laughs) Those are acquaintances that people we run into. Neighbors, in this case, rather than love your neighbor being everybody, we're really talking about those people that live in our neighborhood. And coworkers, that's pretty obvious as well. 
Diane and I are trying to figure out who to put on our list for that one. So, uh, co-worker, that uh, seriously, for many of you, you are in settings where you constantly come in contact with people who are far from God and yet are interesting people and people that you enjoy and people that are easy to talk to and sit down and have lunch with, for example. These are the people that we're asking God to help us identify as we begin to put together this list. Some of you have been around the covenant long enough to remember bringing my world to Christ when we did a very similar list to this. And I sometimes would get these lists and there would be 12, 15, 20 names, which is very, is, is wonderful. But we're asking God to help us zero in on three to five. I've got seven, sorry, I just couldn't limit myself. So don't do as I do, but do as I... We want to keep it small enough that there's a few people that we don't just put on a list today and, and, and hope that God works with that list, but that we're going to pray for regularly. This even suggests taking a little bit of time every single day, just bringing their names before God, asking God to help you see where he's working in your life, asking for those opportunities to share where you might just listen a little bit better what's going on. And what might be a place where we might eventually be able to introduce Even in the simplest way, I saw somebody, one of these acquaintances of mine, a few weeks ago. I don't know much about their story, but I was able to hear enough about it and hear about a family member who's serving in Afghanistan, and I promised to, all I did was promise to pray for that person. That's all. That was was my spiritual conversation that day, and I'll see them here in a couple more weeks and follow up with that as well. Those kinds of things. So we're encouraging you to look at this list in terms of just three to five names and if you want to break the rules and go to six or seven, that's okay. But let's take it seriously. Let's pray for these people. And then we're going to make a commitment to pray and to bless. Next week, we'll talk about what it means just to simply listen, not come with the answers, not come with a gospel dump truck, but just simply listen. Where, where are they? What, what can you learn about them in their life? The next week, we'll talk about eating together, coffee break, lunch, dinner, whatever, a meal in the neighborhood if it's a neighbor. S is for serve. What are some things you can do for that person that might show the love of Christ in some very practical ways? And then finally, story, a confidence in our our own story to be able to talk about what God's doing in our life. I was in my evangelism cohort this week, and we talked about the emphasis much more on transformation stories than on conversion stories, all right? Transformation stories, uh, conversion stories are important, but even more so, where have I experienced the work of God in my life? Because nobody can argue with what God's doing in your life, right? Yeah, so this is the, this is the direction we're going. I'm going to pray here in a moment, and then I'm going to invite Kayla and the worship band up, and we're going to have a little bit of time, even as the, as, the, uh, as the music plays, the introduction of the music plays, to begin to work on that list, and maybe you've already given that some time. And then when you're ready, uh, you can stay seated or stand whatever you want to do. Uh, write those names down. Oh, and, and by the way, just to clarify, they're identical lists, okay? You're making two different ones. And the outside one, it says... Um, my church is praying for. That means you're going to tear that one off and bring it up front. And we're going to kind of pray over these lists and keep them as reminders. And then the, the next one in there, tear that off and tuck it wherever you'll see it regularly. We have a hard time holding on to these today. Um, where you can tuck it in your Bible or wherever it will help you to remember. So that's where we're headed. Let's pray. God, thank you for the stories of Scripture that remind us how your work in the lives of others. Thank you for our own experience that tells us how you were already at work in our own hearts and lives before we came to know you. Thank you for the ways we've seen it in the lives of those around us, that you prepare people, Lord God. And so now we thank you that you are already at work 
in the lives of friends and relatives, acquaintances, neighbors and co-workers, Lord, that now come to mind. We ask now, Spirit, that you would bring to mind those few, three to five people for whom we will be specifically praying for and building a relationship with in this, the weeks ahead. We trust you, Lord, to make that clear to us. Thank you that we can partner with you in prayer. Thank you that we can partner with our sisters and brothers here at church, too, to trust you together. And we look to see you work, Lord God, and we pray this in your name. Amen. And our benediction today will be a prayer over these names and a prayer for each other uh, that we would follow through and trust God and watch for He's at work. Lord, thank you so much for each of these names. I am just thrilled to see these lists here. And it warms my heart to see our people come forward, Lord, and um, commit to pray and to connect. And so, Lord, we pray for each of these names. Lord, we thank you that you are already at work in their hearts. We pray for a softening of hearts and a, a readiness to share and to be open about their lives as we connect with them, Lord God. And we pray for ourselves that we would be sensitive to listen well, to listen for the hurt, to listen for the ambition, to listen for the areas of interest, Lord, that we would make a connection and build a relationship of trust and care through the love of Jesus. Lord, I pray for each of my sisters and brothers, Lord God, that you would give to each of us uh, an area of, uh, of boldness, perhaps that we're not always experiencing, Lord God, but you're at work and you can do all things. We commit these names to you, Lord God. We commit our hearts to you. We love you, Lord. We pray this and we go forth in your name. Amen. Have a great day.